This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Revelation, it says it's not going to be stars and moons that illuminate. Right now we have light because of the sun. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 23, it says, The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. The Lamb. I mean, we're not talking about a lamp that has the shape of a lamb. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, is the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he told us that when we are in him, we never need to walk in darkness. This is a spiritual truth that will one day be reflected in a physical reality. One day Jesus will be all the light we need. No more need for the sun or moon to guide us. Can you imagine when the spiritual truth you live in will become a physical reality? In today's message, Pastor Eddie is going to reveal the light that is Jesus. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 as he continues his message, Running the Race. last days, speaking of the last days that began at the day of Pentecost to the rapture. But the word these here makes a difference. And Jews knew, understood this. That's why it's a Hebrew writing to Hebrews. These last days is speaking of the coming of the Messiah. That day that we celebrate Palm Sunday when Christ triumphantly entered into Jerusalem where the where it fills, fulfills the prophecy this is the day the Lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it it's pointing to that specific day can we use that today yes God has made every day we should rejoice and be glad in it but is a prophecy that was fulfilled during the triumphant entry when Jesus came into Jerusalem that is the day the prophets were talking about about this is the day the Lord has made. Okay? Jesus came and it points to these last days. Let me give you a verse. Jeremiah. Jeremiah spoke on this. Jeremiah chapter 33 verses 15 to 16. He writes, In those days, not thee, in those days and at that time, I would cause to grow up to David, a branch of righteousness, speaking about Christ coming through the lineage of David. He is coming, the branch, he's the branch. He, capital E, H, shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which she will be called the Lord our righteousness. These, those, pointing to Jesus Christ. And so God, in these last days, has spoken to the Son. Christ had come. He's, he, he came. He died on the cross. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. We're going to look at that. But it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's not so much about what he said, because he is the word anyway. But it's about who he is and what he has done. 
He is the son of God. He is the savior of the world. He is the creator of the world. We're going to see that. And he died for our sins and he rose again on the third day and now seated at the right hand of father. Let's look at the beginning of verse two again because this is the emphasis and this is important right here in this verse. It said, God has in these last days has spoken to who? Let's say it together. Us. That's you. That's me. That's every single one of us place our faith in Christ. He has spoken to us now. Not to the fathers. He's done that. Not through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's done that. Now, because of Jesus Christ in these last days, he has spoken to the fathers in various times, but in these last days, he has spoken to us, to you and I. And that is through Jesus Christ. And I don't know how, what that means to you, but let me tell you, we serve a God that's alive. We serve a God that talks to us. He speaks to us in various ways. Through the word, maybe through dreams. Maybe in your heart. I know that God has spoken to me in so many ways. But if you want God to really talk to you, you need to be with him. The Lord said, those who draw near to me, I will draw near to you. We need to come to Christ. When we pray, it's not just a one-way kind. Oh, Lord, here's my laundry list. Oh, here's what I got to do. No, take a break. When you pray, also understand that, you know, it's a dual conversation. We serve a God that talks. So give a break. Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. Pray, speak to me. Open the Bible. Read your Bible. And God said, Lord, I, you know, speak to me. I'm ready to hear from you. Here I am, Lord. I'm ready to speak to Samuel. When he heard the dream, went back and forth. He said, hey, did you call me? No, go back. Ask the Lord. Lord, here I am. Read the word. And God talks to you. Again, if you want to hear God audibly, read out loud. Some of you are not awake. Anyway, <laughs> God speaks. He speaks to us. And how does he speak to us? Through his word. Through his word. That's the key point right here. Yes, he speaks, but it's, he's not going to, if you're going to hear, oh, the Lord spoke to me. It was in a dream. Uh, but that's not biblical. Well, you just, I don't care. It's a dream. I'm sorry, if your dream does not line up with scripture, the same with prophets, everything that in any way you feel God has spoken to you, it better be biblical. It better be biblical. God talks to us, but mostly through his word, because why? Jesus is the word, right? He speaks as a word. What it says in John chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now we drop down to verse 14 of John chapter 1. It says, and the word became flesh. Jesus Christ, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of, as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. He speaks to us through his word. This is why we put emphasis in the word of God. If you're one that like to hear from the Lord, stay tuned, stay plugged in. This is what we do. We study the word of God verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And we look at it expositorily, observation, interpretation, application. This is why we study the word of God. So God could talk to us, can talk to you. Because we look in, we, we, we depend on his word. And so the whole, you know, just think about this. When you think about the Old Testament prophets, you think about the, you know, the, found, the fathers, the patriarch, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, because you and I, we have something they never had. 
And I think we take this lightly or we don't really put mind to it. You know, because of Jesus Christ, God speaks to us in ways that the Father, the Father's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and David could only wish God would talk to us. And not only that, because we have the Holy Spirit in us. Something that they never experienced. They never had Jesus in their heart. They never had God in their heart. It was just outward. They had to be obedient. You know, go to the temple, do this, do that, do this, do that. Because it's a foreshadow. Because soon the Holy Spirit is going to come and Christ is going to come into our heart. They never experienced that. You and I. We are experiencing something now with God that the fathers never did. Moses never did. Abraham never did. David never did. The prophets never did. They never had the experience that we have now. And we shouldn't take that lightly. We now have the word of God, the full counsel of the word of God. Many have died just to put this book together, to keep it safe. Christian has died because Christ ultimately had died because then we have it in our laps and we take it lightly. And understanding that God dwells in our heart, that was unheard of in the Old Testament. They heard of it, they heard of the prophecy, but they couldn't comprehend that, they couldn't experience it, but you and I, we can experience it because of Jesus Christ. And if that's not powerful, then I don't know. <laughs> that is awesome. Like we can experience that now. Verse 2. Now, we're going to look at seven things. He's going to give us a list of seven things that supports the uniqueness and the supremacy of Christ. Seven things in church verses 2 and 3. So let's look at that. Verse 2, it says, In these last days spoken to us by his son, number one, whom he has appointed heir of all things. His supremacy is unique is that God has appointed him heir of all things. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 8. The Lord, it says, the Lord says, you have put all things in subject under his feet. The writer of Hebrews quoting from the Old Testament. God has sub- put everything under his feet. He placed him above all things. Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 18, all authority. Jesus saying this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. The Father's given Jesus all authority in heaven and on earth. So he is heir of all things. Jesus also saying in John chapter 5 verse 22, he said, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to his son. Why does God commit all the judgments in the world, even in Revelation, to the son? Because Jesus came down and he was one of us. He knows what we're going through. No one can go to God and says, God, you don't know what I'm going through. It's, oh, yes, I do. I left my throne in glory and died on the cross for you. You don't know what it's like to be abandoned. Yes, I do. I was abandoned at the cross. You don't know what it's like to have people uh, beat you up. Oh, yes, I was nailed to the cross. And that is the reason why he has all authority. He has all judgment is now given to the son, Jesus Christ. So when you look about the judgment of God, think of Jesus Christ, God. Jesus Christ is God. The father, father God has given him all authority and he judges no one, and the father judges no one, but he has given that to the son. Philippians chapter two, verse nine. It says, therefore God also has highly exalted him, Jesus Christ, and given him the name which is above Every name. He's above all things. Psalms 24 verse 7. The earth is the Lord's. 
and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. He created the world. It belongs to him and everything in it. And one day, when we get to Revelation, you're going to find that he's going to unloosen the deed to earth. He's going to unloosen the, the scrolls, the, the seven seals of the scroll. But that's the title deed that he paid for the sins of the world. And he's going to claim everything in it one day and one day very soon. The second thing is at the end of verse 2. It says, through whom? Also he made the world. It is Christ who's the creator of the universe and everything in it. John chapter 3 verse 3. I'm sorry, John chapter 1 verse 3. It says, all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. He created all things. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9. God who created all things through Jesus Christ. The Father and the Son were together in this, but it was through Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power. All things were created through him and for him. All things. Everything you can fix your eyes on and the things you can't fix your eyes on been created by God. Number three, in verse three, who being the brightness of his glory? Jesus Christ radiates the glory of the Father. The glorious brightness comes from, from being essentially divine because he's, in, he's divine. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In fact, he is the light. When we look at the sun, the sun has nothing on Jesus. We can't fix our eyes the sun, on the sun. Don't do it. You get blind. It's not good for you. But can you imagine? Jesus, he's the one that created that light. And then when we get to, when we get to heaven, the new heaven and the earth, in Revelation, it says, there's not going to be stars and moons that illuminate. Right now, we have light because of the sun. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 23, it says, the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The lamb is its light. The lamb. I mean, we're not talking about a lamp that has the shape of a lamb. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, is the light. There's not going to be a need for the sun or the moon. Jesus radiates the glory of God. John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In Jesus' prayer, when Jesus prayed, in his prayer, John chapter 17, verse 5, Jesus prayed this, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. He had this glory. He left this glory to die on the cross for us. And so that's the third thing. Number four, number four. And he expresses the image of his person Jesus expressed the image, the character of God the Father. You remember when the disciple Philip said to Jesus in John chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, he said, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and my Father are one. They're one. 
Now, I'm giving you all these verses just to show you this was an ordinary guy. This, he had to be inspired by the, by, by the Holy Spirit completely to where the point he couldn't even write his name. He wasn't worthy to write his name in this book. Because when you look at the supremacy of Christ and you look at all the scriptures, you find there is just so much that the Bible confirms what he's teaching. Old and new. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, it says, He, speaking of Christ, is the image of the invisible God. Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's part of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's, he's part of it, the Trinity. That's number four. We have more. Number five, to support his supremacy. And up, he upholds all things by the word of his power. He upholds all things. Jesus Christ sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. He holds everything together. Everything in the universe and outside the universe, on this planet, underneath the planet. God holds everything together. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 it says, And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. He holds everything together. He holds the universe together, the stars, the sun, the moon, your house, my house, this sanctuary. He holds it together. He's holding everything together, even the chair you're sitting on. He's holding your body together, all your organism, everything, your heart. It is because of him. He holds it all together. He holds it all together. The atom, something that has baffled scientists to, the, to this day. Scientists, some scientists have committed suicide because they cannot understand what holds the atom together. The atom, its nucleus, the, the electrons, the proton and neutrons, they can't figure out. All they could do is say it's called atomic glue. They call it atomic glue. What holds the atom together? They call it atomic glue. We call it the power and mighty of Jesus Christ. Jesus holds everything together. Everything. We could sing that song. He, he, he has the whole world in his hands. The whole world in his hands. He holds everything together. That's number five. Number six. He had by himself purged our sins. This is, is this in itself. You know, it's, this in itself ministers to me. The creator, the sustainer, and the sin barrier took your sins. He purged our sins. He cleansed us from all unrighteousness. He forgave us of all of our sins. As the psalmist write, he have, I have forgiven your sins as far as the east to the west. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, John writes this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number seven, and finally, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. After completing the work, after completing creation, creating man out of his glorious image, after man had fallen and sinned, Jesus came to earth. He came to die on the cross and did the complete work of salvation. He purged our sins. And now, after atoning for the sins of man, once and for all, no more bulls, no more, no more lambs, he now sits at the right hand of the Father. The right hand is a position of favor and authority. The right hand of God the Father. And this is important because to a Gentile, we may not understand this, but to the Jews who practiced, who went to the temple to find out that Jesus 
Yeshua sits next to God the Father in his right hand in the Holy of Holies in heaven tells them a lot of things. To them, to have their sins atoned for, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies with a string tied to his ankle, bells at the bottom of his garment. Because if he went to the Holy of Holies once a year to atone for the sins of the nation, if he goes in there, not right, his heart not right with God, he would collapse and fall. And if anybody went in there, they too would die because it was the Holy of Holies. The presence of God was there. And what they would do when they hear a thump, I said, oh boy, they got to pull the string to pull the high priest. Oh, we need another high priest. Menachem just fell right now. But the high priest, when he was in the Holy of Holies, and he would do the work of the sacrifices and all, there wasn't a chair in the Holy of Holies. There wasn't a seat where he could sit down and rest from the work of atoning the sins of the nation. Only Jesus Christ could sit down in the Holy of Holies because he's completed the work. He said it's finished. It telestai. The work of salvation has been completed. And he's the high priest in the heavenly Holy of Holies and now sits down because the work of redemption, the work of salvation is done and complete. And we can rest now. And then we just see here, we saw the just seven things that the writer of Hebrews, and it says a lot. I could have given you more verses, but I just, it was, you know, I just want to make sure you go home. But just three verses, three verses, and you could, you could study this for a whole year to prove the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. He is the creator. He is the savior. He's God almighty. And the author of, uh, that, that wrote this book knew that very well. And as believers in Christ, you and I, we need to know that. We need to know the supremacy of Jesus. I don't know how many of us have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior, and you continue on in, in your walk with the Lord and just, you know, speak Christianese or come Sunday or, or do the little, you know, uh, you know, Christian dance if there's such a thing, or, you know, the life. But not understand who your Savior is. Well, you could rightly, you know, defend the faith, give an apologia, have no apologetics to, to share the gospel of Jesus and, and to share the world who Jesus is to you. Who Jesus is to you. But also to know the supremacy. Jesus Christ finished the work of the cross. He rose from the grave. He conquered sin and death. And now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus Christ is greater. Jesus Christ is better. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, forgive us if we have not looked in the scriptures to understand. Lord, I know it's impossible for us to understand how awesome you are. It's impossible for us to understand your glory, your love, your grace. But Lord, I pray that we do not slack. I pray that we seek after you. I'm Thanks for listening to Running the Race Radio with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie is leading us through a study of Hebrews. The series is called Jesus is Better. And you might be getting a clearer picture of the supremacy of Christ. Jesus represented everything in the Old Testament and fulfilled it so wonderfully. Maybe as you're listening today, you're just now realizing all the different ways that Jesus proved to be the Messiah, to be the one that had been promised and prophesied about. 
through these scriptures, you're coming to a better understanding of the love, the grace, the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to be for you. It's humbling, isn't it? May these teachings continue to bring you closer to the Lord as you see His heart for you. Running the Race Radio is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, look us up right now. Head on over to runningtheraceradio.com. Once more, that's runningtheraceradio.com. When you get there, click back to the homepage for more information about the church, including directions and service times. We'd love to invite you to come and join us on Sunday mornings. And for those of you who live further away, we're delighted to let you know that on the same website, you can find many other messages from Pastor Eddie. That's at runningtheraceradio.com. Well, thanks for joining us today. We've come to the end of our time together. We will be back again next time, right here on Running the Race. See you then.